0: is Bloomberg Surveillance. If we got just a little better than the worst productivity performance of any post-war recovery, that could make a big difference.
1: I'm not convinced that we're measuring GDP right. It doesn't feel like a 2% world to me. It feels like a 3% world.
0: The Fed has hemmed us in. The dictates of the Phillips Curve model are simply that this business cycle will not be allowed to accelerate. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio.
2: Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Worldwide. Bloomberg Surveillance. We welcome all of you. Bloomberg Radio Plus and of course out on Bloomberg.com on our radio stations Bloomberg 1200 Boston Bloomberg 1130 here in 80 degree, Mike, do we get to 80 degrees today? 80 degree uh, New York?
1: Hard to say. They're, they're calling for about 75 and usually they underplay that a little. So we'll
2: see. Lunch
1: outside. Class outside today.
2: Class outside. I like that. Class outside uh, today. Remember that? You got nothing done. That's what I remember.
1: Exactly. That was when the whole did. point. But you did class
2: outside. No, they did never did that at Yale University. Um, Bloomberg uh, 991 FM, Washington. Good morning in Baltimore. And, of course, early morning to you in San Francisco. Sirius and XM across this nation. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning brought to you by Cohn Resnick, accounting tax advisory. It can be hard to navigate through economic uncertainty. Your business needs industry insight and transformative advice to drive it forward. Find out why at CohnResnick.com. He is from Xavier High School. This is a few years back. He's the vice chairman of the Bank of Cyprus. Is that true? Yes, that's true. Wilbur Ross joins us uh, right now. There's any informer radio uh, a DJ as well. What does the vice chairman of the Bank of Cyprus do? Well, he's like a lady
3: in waiting for the chairman.
1: How are the board meetings?
2: (laughs) I mean, we all have a stereo. Well, first of all, I would suggest 80% of Americans can't find Cyprus on the map. That's a different story. But after the crisis on a Saturday morning, X number of years ago, explain to us how
3: you go into Cyprus and what you do as a vice chairman. Well, first we went into Cyprus because we felt that the concern about the economy was being very much overdone. Uh, Cypriot economy is based on tourism and based on being a corporate headquarters for companies uh, wanting a low-tax jurisdiction. We think those two have enduring characteristics to them. And our general theory is that if you own a big bank in a small country, you really have bought a warrant on the affairs of that country. So it starts with deciding, do we believe the Cypriot economy would recover? And indeed it has. It's had positive GDP growth. And I think as it exits the program, it now will be, after Ireland, the big poster boy for uh, economic turnaround in Europe.
1: Uh, Let me um – Go to the intersection of of politics and money here. We were talking earlier about the exit polls uh, in Michigan and Mississippi showing enormous numbers of uh, people who uh, voted in the Republican primary, suggesting they think the economy is in terrible shape and they're very worried about it. From where you sit, how is the economy?
3: Well, I think the people who were worried about it have a right to be worried because the economy has not been very evenly distributed. And the people left behind have been really more or less the middle class and lower middle class people. And if you look at the Trump phenomenon and you look at the Sanders phenomenon, that's a lot of where they're drawing their support from. That segment of the economy really has not recovered. If anything, it's lost some ground.
1: And they're angry about it. What about the uh- in the segment of the economy you occupy, and I don't just mean you personally, obviously, your businesses do well, but um, the the people you talk to, the businesses you deal with, are they investing? Are they seeing profits? Are they optimistic about the future?
3: Well, I think everybody is concerned about geopolitics, not just in the U.S. I can't remember a time where there's been more extremism, more polarization in just about every big country, around, every big democratic society around the world, you look at Germany, you look at Spain having trouble forming a government, you look at Italy, you look, you look, you look, you look at the U.S. with these phenomena we have in the primaries. It's a very strange time uh, globally. How does your Republican Party establishment regroup
2: and move forward? Is this a one-off Or is this a new calculus
3: for Lincoln's party? Well, I think the establishment is a self-appointed designation. And I don't know there's any officialdom that says this is the establishment, this is not. Um, And I do think, as I said earlier, that it was very unfortunate that Mitt Romney went so far as to say he would not vote for Trump if Trump were the nominee. I, I think if you believe in the two-party system, as I do, the leadership of the party uh, who's elected, the guy who gets to be the nominee, should expect that the party will coalesce around him. And it shouldn't be, well, we'll only coalesce if it's somebody we'd like anyway. That's not a party. That, that's individuality.
1: But uh, what was wrong with Romney's analysis of Trump? Was there anything in there that was inaccurate? Oh, uh, he's
3: entitled to his views, and I think for him to say he would personally prefer another candidate, fine. Everybody should be able to do that. I think where he went too far was saying who would not vote for the party's nominee. I don't see how you can be a party loyalist, especially a party establishment figure, and say, but I will go against the
1: will of the party. But you, you see, uh, Donald Trump running a campaign based on racism, based on appealing to the worst, uh, in society, uh, with an economic plan that n- no economist thinks makes any sense to the extent he even has a plan. Uh, why would you vote for him? Is there, is there nothing that could be t- beyond the pale in a candidate?
3: No, it isn't, it isn't a question beyond the pale. I think if you wish to be the leader of a party, party loyalty has to factor into it. Parties are not meant to be a thing that comes and goes. I haven't liked all of the nominees that the Republican Party has put forward in, in my senatorial races, in congressional races, even in presidential. But I think either you believe in a two-party system or you uh-huh. don't. And if you believe in... If you don't believe in a two party system, that's fine. Then you ought to be for fragmentation, not say, I'm a leader of a party, but I'm only going to be a leader if everybody else agrees with me. Then
2: the numbers I saw yesterday 42% independent, 24% nationally listed as Republicans. We've become independent America. How do
3: the parties attract and retain those voters? Well, I think it is fact. That most people who now call themselves independents used to call themselves Republicans and got fed up with the goings-on in the party. So I think to some degree what's happening now is some of those people are climbing back. I think a lot of the Tea Party people came out of the Republican Party mainstream. So I think you have now the issue... Does the Republican Party well, need a redefinition? And This is a critical distinction. The Tea Party crew, maybe they uh, are
2: comfortable with Senator Cruz as a general statement. Can they maybe can they move over and can those conservatives be comfortable with Mr. Trump, who's got some
3: very different policies? Well, that's as that's announced. obviously a big, very big question, um, and it'll be answered pretty soon. Um, I think. It was very interesting to see the variety of jurisdictions in which Trump has won. Uh, The evangelicals in South Carolina going all the way to auto workers in Michigan. That covers a pretty wide range of American
1: population. Other than the fact that he says he's a Republican now, why would you vote for Donald Trump? What is it that he could do for America?
3: Well, I think he is a leader, um, and I think he's had very good people hired in the past. People forget that when his casinos went through the bankruptcies, who was his chief financial officer? Steve Ballenbach. What did Steve go on to do? Become CEO of Hilton Hotels, did a very good job with it, and sold it for a great, huge fortune. So he's had a history of having good people. And to me, any kind of leadership is a function of having good people in support of the number one person. But my my point is not so much to endorse Trump as to say either you have parties that are coherent and stay together. If the mass of the party nominates a candidate, they should stick with it. Wilbur Ross, thank you so much.
2: W.L. Ross and Company with uh, comments on his Republican Party. Mr. Ross, a significant supporter of Governor Romney uh, last time around. Futures up ten. Dow futures up eighty-two. Brent crude forty dollars, forty dollars twenty-eight cents a barrel up sixty-three cents.
1: Time now to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and news head, uh, national headlines. Mike.
0: Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump says there is a need for the party to unite around him. Trump maintains, though, it would be premature to start toning down his aggressive campaign style, especially in the face of what he calls vicious attacks from his rivals. Trump won contests in Michigan, Mississippi, and Hawaii. Ted Cruz won Idaho's primary yesterday. Bernie Sanders secured a narrow upset in Michigan's primary. However, Hillary Clinton took Mississippi and now has more than half of the delegates needed to secure the Democratic presidential nomination. The two will meet for a debate again tonight. French unions have slowed rail traffic around the country with strikes. It is in protest of proposals by President Francois Hollande's government. That essentially would end the nation's 35-hour work week. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom?
2: Uh, Michael, thank you so much. Michael McKee, Tom Keen on economics, finance, investment, and international relations.
1: This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch, committed to bringing higher finance to lower carbon, named the most innovative investment bank for climate change and sustainability by the banker. That's the
0: power of Global Connections, Bank of America, NA FDIC.